Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Hilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Sorry, I had a brain moment. I had a mom brain moment. Okay, okay. So I'm really Daphne. I'm so excited to talk to Erica Bloom for so many reasons. Number one, because I am a fitness nerd, and so to be able to pick her brain about all things Pilates is absolutely amazing. But also because I feel like I might, for the very first time, have abdominal separation, and she is a genius at solving this problem. Yes. So she specializes in reestablishing the core, bringing back all the ab muscles that may never have been there, as it was my case. Um, no, they're or, always there, Daphne. They're always they're there. Just buried they're... under eggplant parm and ice cream. <laughs> um, but I, and other delicious things that I like to cook. Um, Erica Bloom Pilates is the mecca. It is the place where, I mean, every single one of my girlfriends who has just sort of reformed their body, especially after childbirth, um, and especially the ones with great butts, for whatever reason, having a great core gives you a great butt. So who knew? Um, But no, Erica is, I mean, among other things, the founder of the Erica Bloom Method. She has studios across the U.S. She um, has been practicing for 20 years in this space. And like we said, is really going to give us the download on diastasis recti, which I think is on sort of everyone's brain right now, maybe because we didn't know about it before or we're learning how to um, test for it now. But she's going to test me and Ilaria. I know, we're really exciting for it. She's the mother of two beautiful children Mm -hmm. um, that are a little bit older than Daphne and my children. So we're going to pick her brain about what it's like to have kids that are just a little bit more grown up. And we're also going to find out the secret to her insane abs because she is a proud proponent of the fact that she never does sit-ups. And she's willing to lift her shirt up and show. No, no, you look beautiful. But I have a shitload of makeup in the back room if you want anything. I literally, they walked in. I was doing an Instagram live. I literally looked like I had painted my face white. I mean, I looked like a geisha. It It was hilarious. It works really well. I spent about seven minutes on my makeup. Didn't work very well. I just still look tired. (laughs) Uh, So you you two, you seven and nine? Yes. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And what's, what are those, since you're farther along than either of us, what are those ages? I'm curious what happens at seven. A girl and a boy. Yeah. My nine-year-old's a boy. My seven-year-old's a girl. Amazing. Um, Yeah. It changes a lot because they're so independent they make their own breakfast they clean their own rooms what? they wheel their own suitcase they do yeah travel they they get more excited about travel for sure yeah that gets easier everything gets easier but then there's all of the social stuff like you know the issues that my daughter has with her friends at school and the joining the teams and uh, no at seven and their girls changes. there's a lot of uh, we we actually randomly had an uh, the the school hosted an intervention quote unquote when my daughter was three to tell us about the way that girls very early on and there's something animal in this um assert you know groups and the way that they create groups is by having one person who you know we all exclude and by virtue of not being that person you're part of the group which is so dangerous and toxic and scary to that that they are doing that at such a young age um and how do you help her cope with that at seven now i think it has a lot to do with 
having time that I'm with her where I'm really present so that she'll talk to me. Because if I ask her questions, what happened at school today? Why are you sad? Is it because someone was mean to you? Can we talk about who your friends are? And she's like, stop asking questions. I don't want to share. So I try and schedule a lot of time into the week where we're kind of doing something else. We're coloring together. We have, you know, lunch alone without my son where she'll just start to open up. Because then if she starts to talk about it, I can talk to her about it. Our issue last year was that she was the best reader in the room but in her class but if she if the other girls knew it then they would exclude her so she was pretending she couldn't read as well as she could so then you have to you can't address it directly or they rebel so sort of you know celebrating accomplishments in myself and people around her and that kind of broke through it and now she's proud to be the best reader in the class the reading thing how did you get her to be the best reader in the room because we're just about to sort of start on the reading train and I read to the kids a lot but my daughter's four and she's sort of four and a, four and a half she would tell you <laughs> yeah, don't, don't mess that up Daphne. Um, but uh but I'm I'm curious how did you get her to enjoy that and love it and and now obviously she's an incredible reader yeah well I had this moment where I was telling my kids they couldn't have screen time and saying they should read a book, but I was on my phone answering work emails, Mm -hmm. and I realized I needed to change my schedule so that I was getting my work done during hours that were for work and focusing on being present and doing things that I wanted them to model when I was with them. So now if I'm hanging out with them with nothing to do, I read a book in front of them. And I also... You know, we read our children's storybooks, and then they start to read on their own, but I take advanced books that are, you know, sort of more preteen level that are really wonderful, and I read them to them. So they start to get excited about chapter books and stories at a younger age. Oh, good for you. You have to lead by example, because it is so true. They are aware of absolutely every single thing that we do. And, you know, for I, I mean, you as well, all three of us have jobs that are kind of strange in terms of we can be working but at home but we have to be connected to our device and so then you think wow this is really great because I'm with my kids right now I'm able to spend more physical time with them but I'm not being present and how do they understand that this is work I I had somebody explain that to me recently how it what he does as a father, he says, you know what, I'm going to answer this work email right now. So right now I'm working and this is who I'm emailing and then I'm going to put it down and then I'm going to be back with you. But to really just, you have to say, this is what I'm doing and now I'm done. And that was work rather than just mindlessly looking on his phone or not even mindlessly, but for them, they could think that he's mindlessly looking at his phone and then they start to do the same thing and think more iPad, more iPad. And I also think if something comes up where the child needs you to be present, sometimes they'll ask an important question or have be doing homework while I'm working and need some help. I try and immediately put down whatever I'm doing and go to them um, because you can sort of look up and say, uh-huh, uh-huh, and not be paying attention. Right. And they're aware of that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm, I'm going to dive into the diast- diastasis for a second. The abdominal um, separation. So you guys, we're sitting here with Erica Bloom. She's the founder of Erica Bloom Pilates, where we can never get a reservation slash appointment because she is always jam-packed to the hilt because everybody wants to get in here and have her teach them how to build their core, look like ballerina bodies times 10. I mean, long, lean, tone, tight, all of that stomach and ass. Just going to say the best asses in New York, Erica Bloom Pilates. Um, but. 
I've got to tell you, because we're sitting here in this room and it is making me feel like I need to put a broom handle behind my back because her posture is so perfect. And I'm like, okay, suck it in, Daphne, sit up straight, <laughs> get it together. Um, so today we're going to dive into all things juggling, you know, motherhood and career and something I think a lot of moms out there think about getting your body back after a baby and what the effective way to do that and the safe way to do that is. And there are so many things we don't even know or think about when we're getting, okay, let's put it this way. When you get pregnant, everyone starts talking about all these great blissful moments with your newborn and and you start sort of immediately putting yourself into that mindset of becoming a mother. And there's so much education and interest around that new life, but so little focus on the physical element of how your body will change through the pregnancy, your body will change post-birth, and then your body needs help to regroup after that process. So I I just want to, I mean, I have so many questions I want to pick your brain with, and I know Laurie does too. But first off, can you just give people the lay of the land of like, what is this doing to your body when you have a baby? And what do people and, and moms not know about or what are we not thinking about in terms of the rehab after the fact? Yeah, it's sort of a, a funny joke that you are your strength is taken away and your body changes and it you don't have access to it the way that you used to. And then you're handed a newborn and asked to do the hardest job that you've ever done in your life. And it is an amazing and wonderful time. And we should be focusing on that and on our child. But we there are a lot of changes that we need to not ignore but address. And just to make ourselves feel a little bit better and more able to be really good moms. Um, some of the changes in pregnancy that we don't think about is that as the baby's growing, the organs have to move out of the way to make space for the baby, and the psoas goes slack, and the pelvic floor gets stretched out during pregnancy, not just from if you have vaginal delivery. Wait, so psoas being <laughs> the muscle group that connects all down through your leg, your no, hip? No, that- it, it starts from the spine, the lower spine, and then loops around to the front and connects to the inner. So if you have lower back pain, is it likely psoas related or? It's off. I find in yoga, it's often, but not not it, only. It, yes, it, it can be. Psoas dysfunction can lead to lower back pain. Um, if it doesn't recover post-birth, it makes regaining your posture and your strength difficult. Mm-hmm. So it's something that needs to be looked at. Um, so the psoas will go slack to make room for the baby, and it, it can make your spine unstable, and it can just make sort of the mechanics of gait and sitting and some normal functions difficult. And then as the organs move up and the baby grows, it moves up into the diaphragm, which is one of our muscles of breath. And so the diaphragm can't fully move down while we're pregnant, and it can slightly atrophy. It becomes a little bit disconnected in the neuromuscular pattern. And so then it can feel a little bit more difficult to breathe deeply and get energy. Anybody who's been pregnant, one of the most alarming things for me with my first pregnancy is I was walking down the street and I couldn't breathe. Mm -hmm. And my belly wasn't even big at that big at that time. And there's a lot there. You have extra blood and everything that's pumping through your body. So many different changes. Mm -hmm. But it was alarming of like, oh, my God, I can't breathe. And then you get to like the end and you really, really can't breathe. Yes. And then some women have their baby and their diaphragm function and their psoas function and their core and pelvic floor come back naturally. But some don't. And they sort of say, well, what's wrong with me? And um, well, we have answers for that. And they just need those resources. I think one of the most important things um, 
you know, throughout my own pregnancies, what stuff that I work with my students about is it's not just how you look from the outside. Because so many people, they say, oh, wow, look at this person. Had a baby a month ago. And people have done it to me. She had a baby a month ago. And look at how, how she is now. I mean, my fourth time around, if I'm really, really honest, my insides still feel like a big old mess. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I feel... I feel weaker this time around. I had pneumonia when I delivered my baby. So talk about, you know, trauma on your diaphragm mm-hmm. um, and my ribs. Um, and, you know, everybody will kind of say, oh, well, you know, she's pretty much back to her her pre-pregnancy weight. But that's not what's important. What's important is what's on the inside. And I found that if you focus on what is on the inside, the outside is going to take care of itself. Absolutely. Yeah, it's re- it's important, yes, to not think of it as aesthetics, even though the aesthetics will be improved. It's a side, it's a side We care about yeah. the, the aesthetics, but a beautiful thing is that that I always tell my students that's a side effect. Yes. Your yeah. your aesthetic they will they will all just fall into place. If you work on really being strong from the inside out, you are growing from the inside out and it's all just going to fall into well, place. I think that's a lot to do with positive self-talk also and I I think about this all the time that if we are ashamed of our bodies or angry at them or feeling uncomfortable in them, your body's really smart. There is that psychosomatic response to um, to to how you are treating it and how you're how you're telling it to respond to this behavior because that's I think a lot of m- moms and, and I speak from personal experience like I work out because it makes me feel good but I also do want to see those results and it can be very frustrating to have it take a very long time and I th- uh, and and not be seeing those response uh, those responses and have your you know your sort of trajectory or progress plateau um, but I think as long as you're encouraging that positive self talk it actually my body responds better. And I think that's a really interesting sort of you don't expect the physical to respond to the mental as much as it does. Right. But I mean, I think at the same time, what you're what you're noticing is just being your own personal cheerleader and being able to show up Mm -hmm. because showing up and doing a little by little every single day is the most important thing. If you go and you beat your body up once a week, you say, oh, my God, I ate like this and I didn't move. And I'm like, now I finally have an hour. I'm going to go and I'm going to destroy myself. Your body sees that as an attack rather than a nurturing experience. Whereas if you can do these small movements, that's why Pilates is so genius. Mm -hmm. If you can do these small movements that is from the inside, then little by little, your body gets stronger and stronger and stronger to the moment where it, you know, the idea of change happens in a moment where it just starts to change. And then you get to a place where like, wow, I'm noticing a difference. Well, and the idea is that if if we're repatterning it through these small movements with things like Pilates and yoga, then you're moving differently. You're moving better all day long. And so those other 23 hours that you're not in a workout, you're actually building strength and changing your shape. So let's talk about that because efficient workouts, I think, are something we all would love to know more about. And I'm going to ask the dumb question just because I think it's important. Will you tell us a little bit about what is the pelvic floor? I think people talk about it a lot. And where is it? What is it? What are we accessing? And what is Pilates? And how does that? And, and I mean, you know, yoga, like you mentioned, is a big part of this as well. But it, how is it teaching you? I mean, little things like interlace your abs. There are these catchphrases mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that mean so much to people who know what you're talking about, but to people who might not have tried it before. I tried my first Pilates class a week or two ago, and I was overwhelmed because as someone who'd sort of walked by classes on the reformer before, my my, I'll be honest, my first response was like, oh, that looks so easy. And you get on mm. those machines, let me tell you. I was quaking. I was like shaking because lifting your own body weight and doing it in these very controlled ways is so 
incredibly reforming for the body. So yeah, so hopefully, hopefully you're finding muscles that you didn't know that you yes. had. Yeah, it looks easy, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to tie it back into what you were saying before. I think a lot of times postpartum people, they do, they have this self-emotional hostility and they're beating themselves up and then they think they need to go and do a really hard workout. And what happens with that, it actually makes things worse. If you're not connecting your deep core, your transversus abdominis, you're not being... Um, paying attention to your pelvic floor and you're using a lot of superficial muscles and doing hard workouts, you can actually make a lot of the issues that you have from pregnancy worse instead of better. That can be really frustrating. On top of that, one of the most important things that's happening after we have a baby is our hormones are rebalancing. And that is an extremely important time for a woman for getting healthy um, after having a baby and moving forward into the stages of her life. And if we're doing really tough, aggressive, you know, HIIT workouts or cardio workouts that are stressing us more and depleting us, that can make the hormone recovery really difficult. So it's important to do things that feel good and that are gentle and that pay attention to the deep core. So the way that Pilates does that and does this for, you know, men and women and women at every stage is it is... Looking at the small muscles first, the intrinsic muscles that support the joints, and then the muscles of the deep core, the diaphragm, the transversus abdominis, the pelvic floor, and the multifidi. And looking at how those muscles support the skeleton into proper alignment so that we can move with proper joint function. So it's a little bit like, let's take the muscles that are supposed to support our posture and have them support our posture so that the muscles that are our mover muscles can be there and ready to access for movement. So our body is now more efficient, but we're also engaging more muscles than we would be if we were just kind of getting into our dominant patterns and using, you know, quads and superficial abs and superficial back muscles to support ourselves. So <clears throat> from from my experience of of working with people, they get very confused by all of the different muscle groups and it feels very overwhelming and then they just throw their hands up and say, okay, fine, I'm just going to do some crunches and call it a day. Yes, and they should not, not be doing yes, crunches after not, having no, a baby. Guys, no, no, don't no. do crunches after having a baby. But <laughs> um, so what I find, and please correct me if I'm wrong because I feel like you have so much more experience about this than I do, um, is the idea of just activating the navel towards the spine and thinking about zipping the core up, almost thinking of like the middle of the rectus abdominis, so at the middle of the six pack and thinking about knitting everything together as you walk. So basically in yoga speak, connecting your bandhas. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So uh, that's a really nice way to think about it. One of the things that I think that was really important is, so let's talk about the pelvic floor for a moment, right? The pelvic floor is the dome at the bottom of the pelvic outlet that holds our organs in. And um, when we're pregnant, we're putting a lot of weight down onto the pelvic floor. And so the pelvic floor gets overstretched. And then if you have a vaginal delivery, the pelvic floor rapidly expands and then contracts. And in either scenario, the pelvic floor will sort of lock. So the, the, the resistance at length doesn't weaken it um, per se. It can. But the main issue is that the pelvic floor has now become very static. It has locked and we need to restore its suppleness. So when we're thinking just about pelvic floor strengthening, we want to think about that bunda, that feeling of lifting something up and sucking the belly button in. But actually, we need to first allow it to move. And so we want to think of the pelvic floor opening, which sounds really counterproductive if we're 
we've had a baby, but it needs to first be able to release to be able to engage. So we do pelvic floor stretching and we do breath work into the pelvic floor to find some movement and some connection. And then we start to work on strengthening. Which is really genius, exactly what you're saying, because you must have the yin and the yang. You must have the balance. You have to be soft in order to be strong. And that's why I think Pilates, yoga, um, so many different, at, at this point, there's so many versions of it work so well because you think about activating a muscle and then releasing a muscle. If you go to the gym and you'll see people who live in the gym and they have just built up their muscle and they've gotten so tight, they cannot raise their arms above their head right. yeah. because they are so tight. <laughs> so tight. Not like, mm-hmm. let alone that the muscles are actually hitting their head. And when that's they raise not them. a strong muscle if it's, it's, if not, it's so which, short. It's not. It's such a nice metaphor for the feminine is that you're mm-hmm. going to be able to be flexible, limber, yes. Yes. multitasking yeah. Yeah. And, get, and get that strength at the same time. Mm-hmm. I have to ask the anatomy Anatomical question because I just I I live in this space and I feel like I still don't know where it is. Where is the pelvic floor? Is it, are we talking like in the vagina entry? We're talking above the uterus. Like where? What are we yeah, talking about? Yeah, it's it's all of it. So the muscles are sort of a diamond between pubis, sits bones, tailbone. They include the muscles of the vagina, the perineum, the anus, and so we think about when when we read like a like Cosmo. Yeah. And they yeah. say, where am I putting the donut? <laughs> like, yeah, like, they're like what? strengthen. They're like strengthen your pelvic floor, do a Kegel, right? Which is a little bit like just closing the urethra to stop yourself from peeing. You have to actually think of it as something bigger. It's more like the rings of a barrel inside of the pelvis. So you're taking all of the muscles and gathering them together, and then lifting all the way up to the top. So maybe a feeling like closing the vagina all the way up to the top of it, instead of just spasming the muscles. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I will say to my students, think about like you, you have to pee, but you can't pee for like a really long time and you have to really squeeze. And that idea of not, I'm not just, if we're getting like really graphic, not just at the bottom, but all the, all the way up. Yeah. And then at the very top of it, then bring the belly button in towards the spine so that you're finishing the action up. And then they need to think about the release as well. So if we, we, I sometimes will talk about it like an elevator. You take the elevator down. You have to take it all the way to the basement. So we fully release the pelvic floor. We have to open the elevator doors. Then maybe we put the laundry onto the elevator. (laughs) We close the elevator doors. And then we're going up first floor, second floor, third floor, all the way to the penthouse. But then you have to slowly, we we live in the penthouse, and then we slowly release down and you have to hit all the floors on the way down. And sometimes the release is almost the hardest, but it's really important. And this is women at every age, which I think is so critical. I mean, this is great for for sex. This is great for incontinence. This is great for just, I mean, I know people who like pee when they laugh. I mean, that's a whole, this is just, and I, I want to just go back to the mental of it too and the, and the emotional. I think that there's so much to be said from having a strong core and, and, and that giving you a real sense of yourself and that giving you a real sense of agency in your life and that feeling like you, um, that, that you just have a strong center. Um, I'm curious, what are some of the worst mistakes you see being made by moms who are trying to get back in shape? And they're, you know, I see this in diet all the time where you think you're making all these great choices. And then in reality, you're eating things that are holding you back. You're eating things that are fueling addiction. You're eating things that are making you tired and hungry. So you have to eat the wrong things to you know, rebalance from the things you thought were you were doing well. What do you see in exercise and physicality that moms should are doing and that's probably not great for them and what should we be doing yeah i i see a lot of moms 
really just not taking time for themselves after they've had the baby. And I think just doing that, just getting out and doing something that you love is really important. And then I see them choosing workouts that are way too hard postpartum and that they hate and hurting themselves or make, we're going to talk about diastasis, but opening their diastasis further and getting frustrated and thinking that they have to be working in a way that's painful and hard to improve. And it just isn't true. We should be taking small steps forward and working on those small muscles and doing things well and doing it's like a quality over quantity, but also doing something every day. It doesn't have to be like that perfect hour and a half workout. If you do 15 minutes of pelvic floor and TVA work, you're doing a lot for yourself already. That's what I talk about. On on my Instagram, I post these little very short videos called found moment workouts when as a mom of four I really need to find my moments I'm not going to necessarily have an hour to be able to go to the gym but if I can stay active at different points of the day even if it's five minutes here and two minutes here and 10 minutes here or maybe 30 minutes there it all adds up it really does and and there's a lot of studies that show that doing little things throughout the day better. is better than doing yeah. one big thing in the morning than sitting yeah. around all day. And I also encourage moms to do things with their kids. You know, I when I had newborns, I did workouts with them and I took walks with them. And now we do something active. We do a sport every day and, you know, just stay moving with the kids. Good what are some of your traditions with the kids? I feel, I love getting in. I think there's so much magic in the mundane and the way that you, you mentioned before, the reading that you do with them. Um, I think that there are little ways that we structure our day that maybe to us seem like, oh, we could make things more interesting. We could do more fun things. But those little sort of predictable moments are actually what make places feel like home, places feel yeah, safe. So what are the traditions that you love with your kids um, who are seven and nine? Yes, yeah. Uh, we always snuggle in the morning. They come climb in bed with me. They oh. get up really, really early, and I like to stay in bed a little longer. So they come climb in bed with me at like 5, 5.30, and we snuggle, which is really important. It's important to have that oxytocin and get all those hormones going, those love hormones going. Um, I, I have them um, assist me with cooking. So I cook pretty basically every meal. And I think it's important for them to come and kind of choose ingredients and see what goes into things so that they're thinking about what they're eating and getting connected to it. Um, one of my favorite traditions is anytime they have a random day off school, we jump in the car and drive up to Hudson River Valley and go hiking. So oh, nice. We have one of those coming up with election day. I have to vote first, but then, but yes, then we'll go first. hiking. <laughs> Um, getting back to, um, getting back to what you said about moms not taking enough time for themselves. I mean, that's something that we hear a lot, but I find is a really, really hard concept to grasp because you're needed all the time. And, you know, I'll, I'll get, um, you know, the comments on, on social media about it of like, oh, you're so focused on yourself because you're going out for a jog or, oh, you're going off to take a class or something. And that is really, it, it, it's so unhelpful, not just because it's not nice and you should only say nice things, but, but also just because you have to be, the mom has to be strong in order to be there for the, for your kids. You yeah. have to lift them up. You have to have the energy to wake up at two o'clock in the morning if your kid has a fever. You have to lead by example. You have to lead by example. And it's okay. Yes. You Women have to start giving themselves permission to be selfish in the best way, which is, hey, you know what? As, as people say, I gotta put my oxygen mask on first. Yeah, I, and I think I think it really is 
if I'm going to go and do a Pilates class, I will say to my kids, I'm going to do this because it makes me feel great and wonderful. And I think it's, it is so important to lead by example. And I think going out and doing something for ourselves is doing just that. And of course, you know, the cliche that it makes us better moms when we're home is really, really, really true. You're less likely to yell at your child to put their shoes on if you've exercised that day. I think happy kids do have happy parents to show them how it's done. I also, what frustrates me to hear something like that is part of what I think is valuable about social media is that you are able to share some of these real, you know, life tips and hacks and things. People want to know, hello, you've had four kids. You look amazing. How do you do it? And then you show them, you know, little by little how you're helping yourself do, feel strong, feel good in your skin. And then and they're, they're like, but wait, they're, then they're like, but, but not that. <laughs> but, but you're <laughs> that, so selfish and horrible. That one horrible. is not okay. It's so crazy no, to me. Most of, most of it's positive, most of it but there are, positive. there are, but you know what? We do focus on the negative and that's a, that's a, it's a bad habit and mostly ones that, you know, I've realized that that has to be a, an, a conversation I have to have with myself to be like, you know what? These negative people are going to be out there. They're not just doing it to me. But when it comes to something like taking care of yourself, which is something that's so important to me, um, that is why I became a yoga instructor, because I want to teach people to take care of themselves. Period. End of story. Mm -hmm. It is as simple as that. Well, and one reason I like Pilates and also yoga for exercise is that it's it's a method where you have to be really, really present. So it teaches you how to be present. And for me, that has been what has made me a good mom is that maybe I do take the time to go out and exercise and I'm away from my child when I do that. But then when I come back, I am right there with them. And I think those moms that are bashing you on social media, if they were super present with their kids all the time, they would realize they have that time they'd to be, go for a run. They'd be spending their time doing other things. Yeah, um, <laughs> they were super present, super present with that's themselves. Just, exactly. And and then it. and then forget about you know you know kids for our for the non moms out there. What's the point in living life if you're not doing it presently? Mm-hmm. You're really wasting your right. time. Right. You know, I mean, it gets back to you know philosophy one hundred and one. What is the good life? The good life is to be here and now and aware, and that's when you can make true choices, true change in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, going back, you brought up, we're, we're debating how to say it, diastasis recti, diastasis recti. I feel like all of a sudden, part of it's, I had kids before a lot of my friends did. Now, finally, all my friends are having their babies and I'm so excited. Um, except for Hilaria, who had more. I better, <laughs> more, more I better be your friend, Daphne. <laughs> Obviously, but when I had Philomena, I hadn't gotten to meet you yet, which was That's so true. Sad. No, we are, we are, we are we, quick, we are fast yes, friends over the past few years. New and fast yes. friends. Um, but I remember feeling, uh, I remember feeling like back then I just had no idea what I was doing and I sort of just thought I would live it and figure it out. But now that a lot of um, a lot of these women that I know are having their babies, diastasis recti has come out full steam. And I feel like everyone is talking about it and everyone thinks they have it or do well, have let's, it. Well, let's start with a definition of it because so mm-hmm. many people, yeah. it's it's a very a like big word two words it's two it's two big words which is too much for mom brain two big words that we don't even know how this should be properly pronounced so let's find out what it is yeah so it's the diastasis recti is the separation of the two sides of the rectus abdominis so our rectus abdominis is our six-pack muscle it goes from the bottom of the sternum to the pubis it gives us that which all people have it's just sometimes under under other other things (laughs) but 
that's the important thing. We will eggplant parm and right. a few exactly. slices of cake. Exactly. Correct. Correct. Some we all have this muscle. Cake. We just can't always see it. Yes. Um, and it's the muscle that does crunches. It's the muscle that does flexion. And it has a connective tissue band down the middle called the linea alba. Our body is filled with connective tissue. Every muscle has connective tissue. Every organ, um, all of our cells are surrounded with it. And there's this band of connective tissue that runs um, between the two sides of the rectus abdominis. And it can get pulled apart. So it doesn't tear. It's more like if you have a waffle knit sweater and you lay it over your bicycle to dry. Now you can stick your hand through one of the waffles. And what it will end up feeling like if you have one, you might end up feeling like you can't breathe as well because the muscles involved, uh, the, the core muscles are muscles of respiration. They assist with breath work. You might feel like you can't go to the bathroom because the pressure from the connective tissue aids with digestion. You might feel like you have to pee all the time or even... Um, Poop your pants, yeah, <laughs> because the muscles of the deep core are part of muscles of elimination. The pelvic floor is involved. Some women feel like they just don't have as much energy. They can't take a deep breath because the diaphragm works in conjunction with the linea alba and the muscles of the core. Um, and then what we hear a lot is I just my stomach just doesn't look the same. It's all lumpy and weird and it sticks out all the time and I still look pregnant um, And when I engage it, I end up with this funny dome. So even during pregnancy, you'll hear women say, I have this pyramid sticking out of my belly. That's a a diastasis. And if you are at home and you have these things, you should go and find a diastasis a physical therapist or a Pilates instructor that's trained in healing diastasis recti. So you shouldn't check for it on your own? You shouldn't check for it on your own because the the way to check for it, um, to, where you do a crunch and you kind of poke around and feel if there's a separation, that can actually make it worse. So you want to have a professional do it for you. So Can you check us? So I can. yeah, can I get personal? Like right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can I get personal? Let's okay. Get personal. So um, my... I never, I haven't, I didn't have that after one, two, or three. Um, And um, since number four, which was more complicated, I mean, you know, vaginal birth, everything was fine in terms of that, but I had a bigger belly. My baby was eight, two, Mm -hmm. and was producing extra fluid. So my belly was really, really big, and I'm a small person. Um, And, you know, my obvious, you know, my belly has gone back and it looks fine. But I don't feel as strong. Mm-hmm. And I have noted there was a moment during pregnancy where I felt um, this stretching right in the middle that was alarming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know exactly what that was. Was it just a pregnancy we'll, sensation? We'll check you and see. But I do hear that a lot that when you I had also I had extra amniotic fluid with my first pregnancy and, and had it's a tough, diastasis. Right? And it's it. I, that's a very common cause. There are lots of causes. Um, but you're also five, five months out. Yeah. So, so you should yeah. not be feeling like yourself again. It takes time. Yeah. It, we need to let it take time. It took nine months to grow the baby. It might take two years to feel okay again. Just keep taking right, care of yourself. Right, but I want to make sure that I'm not absolutely. doing anything that could potentially be making it worse. Yes. And for me, I am the kind of person where I want to squat in a bush, pop the baby out, and then continue on my way. I'm your mm. worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, no, I just love That's how women have done it forever. That's how they have done it. And, I, I love and that. I'm just happier that way. And, you know, but this time I have to say that my body is telling me something different. And I believe in listening to your body. And I just don't have 
for myself. Forget about practice what you, you know, talk about practice what you preach. I mean, I am definitely sometimes the cobbler that has holes in my shoes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But um, I want to make sure that I am not, I am a fit, run around, do lots of different things, but I want to make sure that I'm not doing something that is not smart. Great. Yeah, let's check it. Okay, let's check it. Mm -hmm. Are we doing it? Yeah, let's do it. Can we take off our headphones? Yeah. Okay. Oh wow, the pants are getting unzipped, guys. This is really fast, guys. The first, the first mistake we were all making, we were roll, sitting on our butts and then rolling back and lying on the floor. You don't want to do that because if you have diastasis recti, recti, that's like aggravating it even more. So we lay on the side like mermaid pose and then you know lie down flat once you're already on the ground, like so. And we're marveling at Alari's amazing belly button ring, which is so pretty. Right, which is hiding my mom belly button. That's okay. the whole point. Okay, so Alari's lying down, and um, Erica has her stomach. Basically, if you go from the belly button four inches on either side vertically, she has her fingers, and she's just pressing in between where the um, six-pack is gently, connecting. Gently. Gently. Very gently. Okay, so Hilari's lifting her head a little bit off the floor, trying to engage the abs. And a, half, it's a little bit, but it goes all the way down. And that's the problem. We feel all the way down. Erica feels like there's a little tiny gap. Okay, yeah, we're going slightly under the underwear line because look, it connects all the way down to your to your vagina. You know, this portion of it is not as important as this. The upper abs aren't quite as important as the lower abs because the lower abs are more structural and that's what really needs to be closed up. It's still closing because I just had a baby? It could. So she has a small diastasis. It's going, it's about a finger, a finger and a half wide, but it is going all the way from the pubis up to the sternum. And so we want her to not engage her rectus as it's healing. And so 80% of women actually get some diastasis during pregnancy and some of them do heal on their own hers might be one where it would heal on her own if she um, does behaves if she doesn't do any of the contraindications so contraindicated would be engaging the rectus abdominis or over engaging obliques so no ab work that isn't just for the deep core the transversus abdominis and the pelvic floor so yeah you're right things like just living life are going to use the core. So what we want to do is train her to access her deep core to do things like walking and picking up her child and putting the car seat in the car and carrying the groceries. So a lot of it is about patterning, getting reactivated in pelvic floor, transversus abdominis, diaphragm, multifidi, so those other muscles can take a break while the connective tissue heals. How, how can you tell if you're engaging the deep core or the more sort of superficial decorative muscles? You know, this is why I love private sessions and private Pilates is that you really need the feedback of an instructor, the touch feedback, the verbal cueing, the props to make sure that you're doing it well. Um, But one thing to think about is that the muscles, the transversus abdominis wraps all the way around. So it's like a corset. It's not just at the front. And when it engages, it pulls the back and the front together and pulls the side waist together front and back. So it's like one of those 80s waistbands where we had like the ruching on the side and the flat band across the front and back and then we it was like pleated pants and lots of pockets and let's go back (laughs) (laughs) and so it isn't a feeling just of gathering the front of the belly or pulling your belly button in or hardening your belly it's more of a feeling like if you're a tube of toothpaste and you're going to squeeze the toothpaste front and back and the toothpaste is going to go down and up so you're narrowing the the back skin of the belly to the front of the sacrum and the spine. And they're sort of feeling like a magnet together. Mm -hmm. And then they lift up and they lengthen the spine. And those little details are really important because the superficial abs actually shorten our waist. So now, now Daphne is getting examined. 
and um, and this is like the, the like the nervous moment. She looks very nervous. You should very nervous. This is kind of like we're we're. Um, I feel like I'm a sports commentator. So she's gonna lift her head up. Actually, it it actually is good. There's a tiny little one finger right there. You have good integrity in the connective tissue. Can I feel down lower? I, I unzipped my pants, Daphne. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so basically, so. No diastasis. What? Well, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. She, she has none? No. 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 This, this little, like, less than one finger here, we don't consider diastasis. So, it's, mine's people, one and a half? You have one and a half, but what the reason we consider it diastasis is I can feel the lack of integrity in the connective tissue all the way down into the pubis. All the way, all the way down. down. See, mine is a very, mine is a very low, a low. Yeah, because there's something going like on. Yeah. Something is very off. Your psoas is wacky. Sit. Take a breath. So what she's doing right now is she's checking Daphne's back and having her lift one knee and then the other to check her psoas. And so totally dysfunctional. Okay. Would that explain why my lower back is in constant pain all the time? Like I feel like I need to crack my back all the time. It's, it's a reason. When we have pain, it really has to do with how the whole system is out of balance. So you have this instability from your right psoas, but there's probably another spot that's overly tight that's playing into the pain as well. Yeah. So diastasis can cause back pain um, in women postpartum. Because when we're pregnant, we have a lot of hypermobility, and the pelvis opens up, the sacroiliac joints become unstable, the sacrum sometimes goes out of alignment. A lot of times during labor, the pelvis is put out of alignment as well. And then we don't have the right access to the core muscles to re-stabilize. And so you can continue to have back pain throughout your life if you don't correct the diastasis. How can we heal from this. Yeah. So when you're looking at healing diastasis, one of the most important things is just to stop doing the things that are keeping it open. So avoiding flexion, which is crunches and roll-ups, and really not doing ab work that's unsupervised by somebody that specializes in diastasis recti. Because we can, for example, be doing plank and say, oh, well, that's not a crunch. But if we're gripping the superficial abs and popping open the linea alba, then that's not a good choice. We want to start really gently and with supervision. The other thing to think about when healing it is, is what other issues in your body are playing into it and maybe why do you have it. Some women simply get it from the size of their baby and how much fluid they had and how small they are and then the stretching that pulls it open. But for some women, it was because they had a dysfunction in their core to begin with or they had a postural imbalance. People with scoliosis or who are side bent, they're going to have a dominant oblique. One side of the abs is going to be stronger than the other and that hooks into the linea alba and pulls it open. Or a little bit like what we were looking at with Daphne, if there's a shortness in the low thoracic spine that pushes the ribs forward and puts you into lordosis in the thoracic, that can start to cause um, strain that can open the linea alba, et cetera, et cetera. So the postural imbalances need to be corrected along with it. But when we're looking at just specifically correcting the diastasis, what we want to think about is how the muscles of the deep core are assisting our breath. So when we inhale, the diaphragm engages down and the pelvic floor relaxes. Those are two things that, that can be really challenging postpartum. 
when we are doing those actions, the transversus abdominis, the deep core, and the connective tissue of the abs, including the linea alba, are resisting the weight, the pressure of the organs as we inhale. That resisting is part of their strengthening. So if we're not releasing our pelvic floor and engaging our diaphragm, we're not challenging the deep core in the way that we should be. And then when we exhale, the pelvic floor engages up. And the TVA, the deep abdominals, wraps. And as it wraps and engages on the exhalation, the linea alba closes. And then the diaphragm relaxes up. So that's a little bit of like a pressure system that involves organ movement. It involves some of the muscles of the back. And then it involves the deep core, the pelvic floor, the diaphragm. And if we're not working those muscles together in that way all day long with every inhale and exhale, it's more difficult to heal the linea alba. Which sounds really overwhelming, but... It's just breathing. But but it's kind of like touch typing. You know, when you when you learn to type, it's, you know, you're sitting up, at least I did like super old-fashioned where like you have, you have your hands covered and it's like F space, T space, Z space. And mm-hmm. it feels like, oh God, I don't know where all the different letters are. And then you're able to write, you know, the cat walked o- across the street. And then eventually you are able to write your thoughts and then you can write paragraphs exactly. and go That's on and on. It analogy. really starts to snowball and it all comes together. Yeah. Now, for our listeners who are not around a really amazing Pilates instructor, mm-hmm. what do they do? Yeah, so I think practicing breathing, which sounds silly, but we actually, we, we it's like she's saying with the typing, we're going to practice breathing properly. And they say to do 100 to 200 in the morning when you wake up and then again in the evening And then thinking about your breath consciously, that will really pattern so that it's like you're now doing 10,000 reps a day of deep core work because we breathe all the time and we breathe in our sleep. Right, you'll keep doing it even when you're not focused. Say say we have uh, somebody in, in, in Kansas. Middle of Kansas, no Pilates inside. Good Con- very confused. Because everyone should get to heal, not very, just those of us right. that live in New York and Very LA. confused about how to breathe properly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially since this person has been breathing since the moment that can we, she can took we, a first gasp. Can they breathe with us right now? Can they, they, yeah, let's, let's do let's, it. Okay. Let's do it. So we're going to inhale slowly through our nose. Allow your belly and back to expand. Allow your pelvic floor to soften. And then exhale and lift the pelvic floor up and draw the belly button back and lengthen the spine and soften the ribs. Yeah. And they should do that 100 times a day? 100 times a day. And what you want to do is do it in the mirror. Take your shirt off, take your clothes off, look in the mirror and check, are you rounding your spine when you pull your belly button in? You shouldn't be. We should be feeling like we're connecting our spine and our belly towards each other, staying neutral. Which means keeping the glutes, a.k.a. the butt, soft while you're doing it. I've noticed that people will tend to tense their butt, and that's why they they jut the pelvis Oh, you don't forward. use your butt to clench, though? I thought if you're bringing your pelvic... No, nope. you don't so want glute to... muscles are not part of the pelvic floor. You want to feel more... It's more like you're nodding your clitoris back towards the back of your vagina. Okay. I'm working on this as we speak right now, which is my face it's is actually, all like screwed it's up. It's actually impossible if you talk about it. It's in, like essentially impossible to yeah. not be doing it at the same time. Yeah. Um, By the way, yeah we're all engaging our pelvic okay. force right now. I, I have to ask about the other part of the mom's stomach that everyone is concerned with, which is the fatter upper upper fatter fatty upper pubic area. 
aka the fupa. So as in as in like the apron, I think a lot of people talk about it. And, um, you know, eating obviously has a lot to do with it. And we didn't even get to chat about like what your sort of go to meals are. You said you love to cook. But, um, you know, as someone in in great physical shape and also with young children, I'm really curious what you eat and what your family eats and what you like to cook. But um, but also talk to us about this fupa and how we can address it since it's probably not just breathing for this one. <laughs> well, a lot of women that have that, they do have a diastasis and it is coming from that because what happens with the diastasis and not having that pressure against the organs from the integrity of the connective tissue is the organs sit lower. So you're, you might have everything kind of fallen down and dumping forward instead of sitting back and up against the back of the, of the torso cavity. For you with your tightness in your upper psoas and your the low, the, it's like the thoracolumbar junction is dysfunctional on you. It pushes your organs down and forward. So some of it is that. The, if there's a layer of fat there, if a woman has had a C-section, many times it's that the scar has adhered, and then they should be doing massage on the scar. Mm-hmm. And you can start doing that at any point once you're cleared from your doctor. And if you haven't started right then at six weeks and you've your ba- had your baby two years ago, do it now and just go in and get some coconut oil and move it around so that you it's can... It's never too late. It's That's never so too late. important. And it's never too late for diastasis. I have women that are 50 and they had their kids when they were 19 and we're healing it now because if you leave it, you can get, you can have prolapse. You can yeah. have bladder prolapse or uterine prolapse. It plays into that. So you want to address it. Now I see um, a lot of women as they are, are pregnant that they are determined to still do crunches while they are pregnant and it's one thing that I was told when I got pregnant with Carmen don't just don't do your belly's going to get bigger yeah so what do you do and I hear a lot too where people say well I'm about to get pregnant so let me do as many crunches as I can now now." or since I can still do them in my first trimester let me do them actually really the moment that you start thinking about wanting to have a baby stop doing crunches our six-pack muscles not what makes our stomachs look good or flat anyway. Like I, I've never done a crunch. You guys want to see? Yes, that? let's see. Yes. Oh my! Oh, God. Never done a crunch. That's a nice. Ad. We never done a crunch. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> that's actually that should be your tagline. Never done a crunch, and then just a <laughs> no picture of your perfect here. core. <laughs> that's amazing. But I love that because I hate crunches, and I feel like if you don't have the form right, you actually do so much more damage so much than more good. Damage. You get that dome right. stomach. You hurt your neck. Correct. You hurt your back. And we're also rounded all the time anyway with our computers and our phones and looking down at our children. I mean, these new as a new mom. You're looking down at your child into their eyes as you're feeding them, and you should be. So we want to do the opposite movements Mm -hmm. when we're exercising. So, yeah, no crunches while you're pregnant. And then no, just don't do anything that doesn't feel right. If a trainer says this is what you should be doing and it doesn't feel right, don't do it. We really have great amazing amazing connections to our body when we're pregnant. Okay, we have to let you go, but really quickly, just give us one day's meal plan. One day's meal plan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very different every day. My breakfast, I like to vary it so that I get a lot of different nutrients and so I don't end up with food sensitivities. Um, this morning I had an egg with avocado. A lot of times I'll mm. have coconut yogurt with collagen. Um, for lunch, I like to have salmon. And then I try and have three or four different types of vegetables. So I'll have Brussels sprouts and kale and celery root and carrots. Yeah. Um, when I snack, I make little balls with seeds and nuts and different superfoods in them. Um, and then for dinner, I cook with my kids. We do a lot of like curried lentil, veggie stews and quinoas and fish and um, things that they 
love and that are easy to cook. Delicious. Mm -hmm. Is there such a thing as plastic surgery for diastasis? Because this woman was saying that she was trying to find a surgeon who could do it properly and not just a mommy makeover. And I didn't know if there was a surgery that would help with this. Yeah. So there is a surgery for diastasis recti, but it's it's not if you can heal it on your own, please heal it on your own without the surgery, because the surgery makes it look better, but it does not heal the functionality. So Mm. there can be a lot of issues from it. The the connective tissue is not meant to be rigid. It's supposed to be incredibly flexible and it moves when we rotate our ribs and when we walk and as we bend. And when you stitch it up, it's a little bit like putting staples through something that's supposed to be a rubber band. I think a big takeaway with you today has been in order to be strong, you must be flexible. You must have the yin and the yang. You must have the balance. Yeah, and all, and also, yes, absolutely. And that's true in our bodies, and that's also true in life, and it's true in how we integrate exercise into mommyhood. Um, Erica, tell everybody who's listening where they can find you and follow you. Um, I have a website that is ericabloompilates.com, and my Instagram is at ericabloompilates. Erica Bloom, you guys, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. This was amazing. I can't. I need like amazing. a month to just process I everything. I want to go home with her. Can, can you guys handle this? Well, we're, let's, go 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 let's go do a class together. Let's go work out. Oh, semi private. <laughs> I can't wait. Wow. All right, guys, that was Erica Bloom. Daphne, what were like three great points that stuck out for you? So much. I feel like I was sitting here absorbing it all. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is just like with Rebecca Minkoff when we talked about balance being mostly about boundaries and not about some sort of artificial thing we can create. I loved when she was talking about stress and shifting stress and shifting our perspective and how important that is. Um, I loved that uh, sit-ups are not the answer. I feel like I've been saying this for years. <laughs> but I, um, like, see? See, I'm right. But I, no, but I, 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 truthfully speaking, I think it was so important for her to talk about, you know, when you're rebuilding and when you're establishing a strong foundation, it's so much more about those activating in controlled ways, those small muscle groups, as opposed to these, lo- and, and those are the muscle groups that are actually doing the work that are going to help you from slipping a disc or, you know, having co- chronic pain, um, as opposed to the more cosmetic muscles that lots of people will focus yeah, on. Yeah, you're not, it's, it's, it's not necessarily what you look like from the outside. It's from the inside what we need to focus on. And, you know, as she and I were talking about, the outside is just a side effect. Yeah. If you do the work, the outside all takes care of itself. And but it's, it's so important that we're, it is a good side effect. And then the third thing I took away was the breathing. And I love that that was a takeaway for everyone, no matter where you are, what you're doing right this second. You can learn how to breathe in a functional way, in a way that expands your diaphragm, that gives you the maximum amount of oxygen coming in, but also, you know, helps you retrain that pelvic floor, which I know is a big topic for everybody listening and especially you guys. Yes, I'm sure. Get to your Kegels. Uh, but I loved that that was such a such an easy thing we can all be doing. Today. You know, and and I as as a teacher, as a yoga teacher, I encourage our listeners to listen to that part of the episode again and again and again until you really connect with it within your own body Um, because practice does make perfect and the fact that she took the time to really bring us through that exercise it's definitely worth sort of you know remembering where that part is in the episode and then going and practicing it every single day or a hundred times a day like she said love it 
And now it's time for some of our favorite things. <gasps> a few of our favorite things. Um, okay, so right now, one of the things that I am loving, um, and this is great for those of you with picky eaters who still want to make sure your kids are getting plenty of fiber and protein um, in a delicious way. We love this Arrowhead Mills whole grain pancake mix. So good. I've had it. Delicious. Delicious. I made it for dinner the other night. Yeah. Oh, pancakes for dinner? Oh, definitely. I add kale. We'll make a lot and then we'll freeze them and reheat them if we, you know, if I make a bunch on the weekends for fast mornings or for quick dinners. But my kids like them throughout the day. They're kind of a better version of toast at the end of the day. But I doctor these pancakes up. So the mix already has you know, whole grains in it. And it's um, it's a, it's really fiber rich, which I love and has some protein in it too. But I add in ground flax seeds or chia seeds sometimes. And I put a whole mess of extra eggs in. So I feel like the kids are getting great fat, great protein, um, healthy fiber. Uh, and then I'll add some chocolate chips in so that they also think of it being very healthy. And we started using local honey in place of maple syrup. And I love maple syrup still, but the honey I like for the you know allergy prevention. It's antibacterial, antimicrobial, um, and it's great to use it from locally wherever you live. So it actually helps because it has the um, the sort of uh, the, what's the what's the word um, pollen from the local plants, which is great for you know if you if you struggle with allergies, it can be helpful. For yeah, I, I do the same thing. I'll blend the whole mix with some vegetables. Oh yeah. And then, and then you can just make Butternut it. I mean, squash. it's amazing. Kale, pumpkin. Kale. Well, right now because it's like falsing, everything's pumpkin spice. Yeah. Put oh, some pumpkin that's in good. there. It's great. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things right now is honest diapers. I'm trying to um, oh, yeah. cut down on um, my waste, my my poor choice waste um, choices. And no, they're not reusable diapers. But um, I'm not. I'm not there now. I don't know if I'll ever be there with the reusable reusable diapers, but I do love that they break down much more easily. I think they're absolutely adorable. Um, And I like that they're, you know, uh, free of of chemicals. That's it for us at MomBrain. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review us, please, 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 and write to us. We want to hear from you. MomBrainPod at gmail.com. XOXO, it's us. <laughs> gossip, gossip moms. <laughs> this is Mom Brain with Alaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Mom Brain is a Gallery Media Group production.